Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And to believe in any of these two misconceptions is to be robbed of the meaning and of the purpose and of the blessing from the breaking of bread. Now, an important question to ask or to, uh, to get an answer to is why? Why do we do this? Why do we break bread? Why do we have a communion service? And the answer to this question is seen by two words that the Lord Jesus Christ used twice in, in verses 24 and 25. And they tell us why, why we do this. It says, these two words are, this do. This do. See, those are the two words that the Lord said, this do. And they show us clearly that to break bread is a matter of obedience. It's a matter of obeying the Lord. For believers, it's an act of obedience. It's not a matter of, it seems like a good idea. It's not a matter of, I like it, so I do it. It's a matter of, I must because I'm commanded to by the Lord Jesus himself. That's why the breaking of bread is called an ordinance. And there are two ordinances that the Lord Jesus gave us. First, baptism, which we're all gonna do next week, praise the Lord, and breaking of bread or communion this week. Baptism and communion are matters of obedience because the Lord commanded us to. And here at the chapel, we have a breaking of the bread available every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. And I know there are many obstacles to the 9.30 communion service, but to come, to come to that service, to service, to break through all those obstacles is a statement of a desire or a willingness to obey the Lord. And to not come is a statement of it's a, it's, it, it, it's too much. It's a burdensome duty. Now, the next question is, what is the greatest motivation for coming to the breaking of the bread? Why should I sacrifice my time? Why should I sacrifice what I'm doing at 9.30 on Sunday? And we have this service now once a week. But why come at 9.30 to the breaking of bread? What's the greatest motivation for me to come? The greatest motivation for coming weekly to the breaking of bread is to remember what the Lord Jesus said when he instituted the breaking of the bread. And that can be seen in the book of Luke, in Luke twenty-two fifteen. In Luke twenty-two fifteen, it says, and he said unto them, with desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. The Passover became the breaking of the bread. And Luke twenty two nineteen 19 through 20, it says, Luke twenty two nineteen 19 through 20, 
and he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body which is broken, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper saying, this cup of the new, is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. See, he instituted, he did that, the last supper, the last Passover, just before he was betrayed, just before he went to the cross, just before he died, he instituted the breaking of bread with these words, with desire have I desired. See, that was a loving request from a savior just before he died. And when he said, with desire have I desired, we can see the strength of his request. It's not with request, I request. With desire, I desire. He had a long, he has a long, strong, loving, last request before he died to observe this breaking of bread, which was understood. It was understood and it was practiced by the early church as a matter of obedience to the Lord's dying wish. And that we could see because After Pentecost, we read the disciples, they kept this breaking of the bread daily, every day. It says in Acts 2.46, in Acts 2.46, it says, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. See, a, a, a start might be good, but the question is, is it going to continue? Is it going to continue? That's why it's important in Acts 2.46 where it says, and they continuing daily. That's why the continuation is emphasized in that verse, they continuing daily. Daily, they were breaking bread from house to house. As a matter of fact, historians tell us that after each regular meal, the custom was to conclude the meal with the breaking of bread and the, and the remembrance of the Lord's death as a direct response to his dying wish. Then, as time went on, the church made the breaking of bread part of the first day of the week service. And we see that in Acts 20, verses 5 through 7. Acts 20, 5 through 7, where it says, These going before tarried for us at Troas, and we sailed away from Philippi, after the two days of unleavened bread and came unto them in Troas in five days where we abode seven days. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow and continued his speech until midnight. You think I preach long? (laughs) When we view the 1115 preaching service. And we say, well, that's the main weekly service because that's the most important service for us to gather to. We think that the most important purpose for the church is to regularly gather together every week to hear a sermon. But that's not the stated reason of the church gathering together every week in the book of Acts. When he said, With desire have I desired. The most important service, according to Acts 27, and the purpose of the service is upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread. The disciples came together on the first first day of the week to break bread. And then Paul preached to them. 
So we can see from that verse that preaching was not the stated reason for that weekly church meeting. The stated reason for that weekly church meeting was to gather together every week upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread. The church came together on the first day of the week to break bread. On this particular week that's that's talked about here in Acts, Paul was in town and he was there and he preached a long message till midnight. But the stated reason for the weekly church meeting was to break bread, not a sermon. And so in the early church, they had a weekly meeting, but the main purpose of the weekly meeting was to not to hear a sermon, was to break bread. The early church did not come together monthly for the breaking of bread. It was weekly, and that was the main purpose for coming together. That indicates the importance or the frequency of the communion service. And that frequency can be seen in 1 Corinthians 11.26. In 1 Corinthians 11.26, it says, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. See, those two words, as often, it teaches us the importance of the frequency of communion. Those two words, as often, are a challenge for us, or a challenge for us, when we, especially when we go to a church that provides the opportunity every week for breaking bread and remembering the Lord, as he said. The challenge for us is to have an enthusiastic willingness to meet the Lord's last request. The first requirement of communion is to have a frequent, enthusiastic willingness. But communion not only requires an enthusiastic communion, there's a word that shows us another requirement for communion. And that's in the passage we read in verse 27, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. 27. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Then the next verse, but let a man examine himself so that he let, so let him eat and drink, eat of that bread and drink of that cup. And the next verse, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. See, that's the word, unworthily. See that word that's used twice, once in verse 27, once in verse 29, unworthily. It taking communion unworthily is very dangerous. The word unworthily, first of all, rules out any unregenerate person from taking communion. It rules out any non-believer from taking communion. It's very fine. It's fine. There's no problem. If you're not born again, if you're not regenerate, if you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, we're concerned for you. Let those elements go by. Don't take them because it's dangerous. It's a serious word, unworthily. It lays a responsibility on each believer. We need to find out what does it mean for a believer to take communion unworthily because the scripture tells us there are two ways in which a believer can take communion unworthily. The first use of unworthily is in verse 27, and the following ver- and, the, and then the following verse tells us how a person would take communion unworthily when it says, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For a person to examine himself means that he searches his own heart looking for any sin 
that needs to be confronted and forsaken and confessed to God. That's what it means. But don't want to give a big hang-up about this where you, get it, where you sit there and say, oh, I know there's some sin in me. Oh, no, I can't do anything. I know there's some sin. No, it's just a good and honest heart. God has a way of making sins just brighten up. But breaking of bread has its parallel in the Passover. Remember when he said at the Passover, he broke bread. It has its parallel at the Passover. We need to understand the Passover so that we can understand the breaking of bread. Breaking of bread has its parallel in the Passover, in the Passover service. And God called for a preparation, a preparation before eating the Passover, which was the removal of all leaven. Moses wrote about that. So you go in your house and you go through and you remove all the leaven out of your house before you eat the Passover. And that's a custom which is taken up today by, today by, by, by every Orthodox Jewish house, every Orthodox Jewish home before the Passover, there is a deep, deep cleaning of the house. Believe me. And, 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 and there's a deep clean. It starts usually a week before. And it's the best thing to do is just leave the house because there is a total deep cleaning. It reminds me in Takati, in our place in Takati, there's one week out of the year which the cafeteria and restaurant are closed because the, the, the fume hood is taken apart and cleaned and the, the, every, every part, the stove is taken apart, uh, all the furniture is moved. It's a deep cleaning. That's what happens in Orthodox Jewish homes one week before the Passover. It's a deep, deep cleaning to remove any leaven product, to go find any leaven product. That means bread, that means crackers, that means, that means Costco cake, that means Oreo cookies. And of course, it means yeast. Very sad time. Anyway, but the, any product that contains leaven is, is looked for meticulously and cleaned away. And the word that is used for leaven product is chomets. Chomets. You think you can say that? Say cho and then say the baseball team, Mets. That's how you say chomets. Anyway, chomets, and so the whole house is cleaned of all chomets. And, and then, and then, and this goes on, like I said, and, and it's a big flurry, and it's, it's, it's really something. And then there is a final inspection of the house, which is just before eating the Passover. It's on the day of Passover. The day of Passover actually starts the night before, but don't ask me why, ask God. And that's the way the days were. And so the night before the Passover, which is the beginning of Passover day in, in biblical terms, uh, about an hour after sundown, so an hour after it's dark and, and the sun's gone down and, and, and in the, on the day of Passover, an Orthodox Jewish home goes through a final search, a final inspection. And what happens is that all the lights are turned out in the house, so it's dark in the house, and one candle is lit. And that candle, by the light of that candle, 
Every part of the house is searched for leaven. It's very effective. You hold that countdown. This is what I do when I go to hotel rooms. I never want to loose up in hotel rooms. I have a phobia about that. And so what I do is I go through a ritual and that before I leave the hotel room, I, I use this as a, as a, as a lost thing counter. And I, I, I do this. I seriously do. They you know, may think I'm crazy. But anyway, so I go to the, the closet, nothing in the closet, under the bed, nothing under the bed, over here on the counter, nothing there. And I do that. And I do that just like it's some kind of counter, you know. And um, it's very effective. And I found things doing this, you know, because one time I left my jacket uh, in, in a hotel and, uh, no, I left it on a train. That's right, I left it on a train in Germany, and, then I, and, then, and the train went away, and I had to call my friend in Frankfurt, and he went and got on the train when it stopped there and got my jacket. And so since then, I've never, uh, I go through this anyway. So this is what the Jewish families do, is they, they don't do it like this, but they take a candle, because it's dark, and they go throughout every part of the house as the final inspection. They look, they, they look behind the furniture, they look under the cushions of the chairs, the cushions on the couches. They look in the cracks of the floor floorboards, and especially under the rugs. And under every rug that Chometz might have been, uh, you know, swept under and forgotten about, you know. And they lift up those rugs, and 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 they and they, and they find the Chometz there. And if there are kids in the house, then you can be sure there's a lot of Chometz all over the place. And and you got a big job if you got kids in the house. You have to search every place where a kid would walk with a sandwich or a cookie. I mean, um, last Friday night. I was sitting, sitting with, uh, with Clinton and he was holding, you know, Cassidy and Cassidy was eating a piece of pizza. And so she'd take a bite of pizza and then she'd spit it out and it would fall on the ground. And all I could think of when I was looking at her, I says, you chomets maker, you. <laughs> That's what kids are. Anyway, every place is searched by the light of this candle and every chomets that's found they, you know, they, it's a big thing. You know, after they've gone through the big cleaning for the week, it's the final inspections, the quality control, and they finally go, aha, here's a piece of chomets. It's hiding. And well, you can't hide from my eye and from this candle. And so all the chomets that's found is placed into a plastic bag. You know, you thought you could hide from me? Into the bag you go. You know? And then, and then what happens is that before the eating of the Passover, that plastic bag is taken out to the backyard and burned. And the father of the house prays to God something like this. He says, I break my association or ownership of any chomets in my possession. Whether or not I saw it, whether or not I found it, whether or not I knew about it, whether or not I destroyed it, I want no chomets now. All chomets to me is as the dust of the ground. That's what he says. That's in a prayer of dissociation. Why? Because chomets or leaven is a symbol of sin. And before eating the Passover, a person had to turn from all sin in his life. And the destruction of the chomets, the destruction of the leaven, was only symbolic of searching the heart for sin, for sin and dissociating from any sin in the heart. If a person to keep the, came to eat the Passover with known sin in his heart, and, 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 and he may have gone through that homeless routine there, but he has known sin in his heart, he's eating the Passover unworthily. 
And if a person searched his house for the chometz and, and didn't turn from sin, and then he ate the Passover, he would be eating it unworthily. And that picture of what that family does in searching for the chometz and, and, and collecting it and burning it and dissociation with it, that's a picture of what we must do before this service. That's a picture of what we must do before communion. We must examine ourselves and look deep in our hearts, just like the family goes through every part of their house. We must examine every part of our hearts. We have to move furniture in our hearts. We have to lift up the rugs in our hearts to see those sins that we've swept under the rug and we've said, forget about it. No, this is the time to go and lift up those rugs Take that candle, go look, go find, go take, go burn, go dissociate from. And just as the family, just as the family searches and burns every piece of chametz and then prays that prayer of dissociation before they eat the Passover, we confess, we look, we confess every sin. We pray the prayer of dissociation with sin before communion as we're taught to do. When Paul taught us in 1 Corinthians 5, 8, 1 Corinthians 5, 8, Paul says, speaking of the Passover, therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. We examine ourselves in search of chametz of the heart, the chametz of the heart, to obey the Lord with sincerity and and truth to come to this service, to take this bread with known sin of the heart is not to be sincere. It's not to be truthful with God. And so we search, as Paul says, we keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. We have examined and search of the chomets of the heart to obey God with sincerity and truth. Some were weak. Some were even cut off by death because they were not sincere and they were not truthful in the search of the chomets of the heart before taking the communion. And the fact that no one with sin drops dead in the pew here during a communion service is not an assurance of getting away with it. No, because it just means God is patient and God gives us space to repent because that's who God is. But there's a limit. And that's why Paul said, some were sick and some were even dead among you and some were weak among you because of sin, because of not cleaning the heart, the chametz of the heart, dissociating from sin. So what have we seen today? We've seen communion is precious. It is precious. Communion is serious. It's serious. Communion demands an enthusiastic, regular willingness Communion demands a worthiness, a watchfulness to, to, to remove sin from the heart, dissociate from it. Now, because I don't want to be like Paul preaching till midnight, I'm going to stop. But in our next time before communion, we'll continue with the second way a person can take communion unworthily. So now, in the silence, and silence is a good thing during communion, because in order to do a search, a search for the chomets of the heart, you need silence. You need quietness. There comes this time 
when there has to be the deep cleaning, the deep searching of the heart to find the chomets, to, to, to burn it, to, to dissociate from it. And that's the purpose of the silence. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, And you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back. So join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.